I said, ye are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. That's a reading from Psalm 82, verses 6 and 7. This is the Essential Bible Studies podcast. My name is Tom Colby. And I'm Tim Young. We want to welcome all of you to us to this Bible podcast, which is a continuation from one we did recently in which we considered John chapter 10, when Jesus made the statement, I and my father are one. And what we have here, if we reset the scene, Jesus was about to be stoned by the Jews for stating that I and my father are one in John chapter 10. And when Jesus asked the Jews which of the good works he had performed, they were stoning him for. Their reply was they weren't stoning him for a good work. They were stoning him because he had blasphemed and by saying that thou being a man makest thyself God. And so what I read to you was taken from Psalm 82, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read to you now the entire psalm, and I'm going to read that in the authorized version of the Bible, and then we'll move into the podcast and consider what Jesus had to say. Psalm 82. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. When Jesus responded to the Jews, he was quoting from their own law and that he says, you tell me I'm blaspheming because I say I'm the son of God, but in your own law, God calls the judges of Israel gods. And this is what Jesus is referring to. And so I'm going to turn it over to Tim now for a little bit of explanation on some of the details of Psalm 82 and God manifestation. Thanks, Tom. I just wanted to, first of all, say it's uh, great to be with you remotely. I Recording in 2020 during a pandemic has been a little bit challenging, so we're actually doing this remotely, doing our due diligence to uh, stay socially distanced, right, Tom? Correct. (laughs) And thank you for your introduction there. We were looking closely at the response of Jesus when he said, I and my Father are one. The Jews kind of misunderstood him to say he was making himself equal to God. And the response of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 34 Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. Like you were saying, he's quoting from Psalm 82 when he said that. Is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. And what what does that mean? And so like Jesus often does, he'll say just a very short phrase. I mean, in this case, we've got, I have said, you are gods. You got six words there, right, Tom? Mm -hmm. Very short. 
he's kind of inviting us to go back to that passage and read it in context, like any good Bible student would do. Often when Jesus quotes just a simple verse, you see a lot more in there. So it's interesting as you read through that to keep that in mind, and especially in, in verse 1, which in the ESV it says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. So it's interesting to note in verse 6, he said, I said, you are gods. And the, the word gods there is in lower case. Is that, is that the case in your Bible, Tom? Yes, it is. <laughs> Pun intended there, I guess. <laughs> and it's the same way in verse 1, in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. So what is the psalmist referring to here? And there's it's kind of interesting looking through all sorts of different translations, especially on verse 1. They seem to be all over the, the place. And in the ESV, it seems to be something about a divine council, like it's in heaven. Some people think it's about angels, but that doesn't really fit with what Jesus said, because, because he said, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, well, the word of God came to the Israelites. It came to the rulers in the land. And that's really the sense that we should get from here, because there's another way to look at this word gods. It's actually the Hebrew word Elohim. And we've talked about it in previous podcasts about this idea of Elohim. And somebody could be called an Elohim or manifest God if they were judging on his behalf. And so that's really the way that this should be translated or thought of. And just to get an example of that, just to get a feel of, of what I'm talking about here, the, there's a good example of this in, in the law of Moses in Exodus chapter 22, if we turn back there. And it's Exodus 22, verses 8 through 9. Now, I'm going to read this in the ESV. And again, this is the law, so something wrong has happened, and they have to have some sort of judgment. It says, If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox, for a donkey, for a sheep, for a cloak, or for any kind of lost thing of which one says this is it, the case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. So in reading that passage, you have to ask yourself, okay, there's a thief and there's something that according to law where you have to come before God. And how was that done? Like you didn't go to heaven to come before God. You came before the place where the judges were. In this case, in the wilderness, it would have been the tabernacle, right? Well, the King James translates this really interestingly so that we get the sense here. Tom, you got the King James there. You want to read this passage for us? I, I do, and I'll read verses 8 and 9 of Exodus 22 from the King James. And just pay note here that the King James doesn't use the word God. It uses the word judges in these places. Go right. Ahead. Okay. If the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether he have put his hand unto his neighbor's goods. For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox, for ass, for sheep, for raiment, or any manner of lost thing, which another challenge to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whom the judges shall condemn, he 
shall pay double unto his neighbor. Now, that's interesting when you compare translation, because which one is right? Well, you, if you go back and you look in a Strong's Concordance, you'll find that word judges in the King James is actually the word Elohim. It's again that that word that's most often translated in scripture as God. But in this case, the King James, they decided to translate it as judges because that's really the sense of what is happening here. They were coming before the judges, which in essence, these judges were to manifest God's name. They were to manifest his judgments. And therefore, these are the judgments of God and they're not to be of man. That's really important to understand as a principle of how the Bible talks about men as manifesting God as being judges. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ understood in this sense. Uh, Here's another example. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. So in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verses 16 through 17, this is again Moses talking to the judges at that time. And he says, And I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring it to me, and I will hear it. So that's the principle there. Like the the people came before the judges, and Moses is saying, you shouldn't have any bias. You shouldn't be able to be bribed because this is God's judgment. You are representing God. You're to manifest God and to judge with righteous judgment. And so this principle comes out in the history of Israel. There's another passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verses 5 and 7, where there's righteous King Jehoshaphat, who actually refers back to this Deuteronomy passage and tells the judges during his time this same thing. So if you understand that principle and how the Elohim or gods are to be manifesting God, and you turn back to Psalm 82, verse 1, we can make a lot more sense of this passage, especially this verse one, which seems to be difficult. So the King James, how does that King James read again, Tom, in Psalm 82, verse one? says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods in lowercase g. In lowercase g. Well, again, we have to get our concordances out there. And it's that, that first word, God, is the word Elohim. And then that last word in lowercase g is also the same word Elohim. There's no difference or distinction in the Hebrew. But what's interesting is that word mighty is actually the word ale, which is another word that's translated as God. But that's that's the singular sense. That's actually the one and, and only true God, the one that's in heaven, the one that that we think about, right? And so maybe a better way to translate that, if we think of the Elohim as the judge's part and the Ale or the mighty as God himself, it might translate better this way. The judges stand in the congregation of God. He, that is God, judges among the judges. Does that make sense, Tom? (laughs) 
It certainly does. And I think that when we look at the context of the rest of the psalm, right. that bears out exactly. I'm going to read uh, verse 2. It says, How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Mm-hmm. Now here, if it's God talking to the judges, he's condemning them for judging wickedly right. and unjustly. He goes on in verse three, defend the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and the needy, deliver the poor and the needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked. So the emphasis here in the context is that this is a dissertation between almighty God and those who have been given authority among the people of Israel to render judgment when there are controversies coming up and problems among the people. Right. And what God is trying to say, you know, he goes on in verse five, he says, they know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. Mm-hmm. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. What is God is trying to say, I think is if you don't judge righteously, then people aren't going to understand what you are doing. And they're going to remain in darkness and feel like justice, as they would understand, would come from God has not been done. Right. He even goes on to say in verse five, he says that all the foundations of the earth are out of course or they're moved. In other words, the foundations that the earth should be founded upon have been corrupted if you don't judge righteously. And so the idea here really is that any time that one of the judges was to rule, was going to be a reflection on God himself. And if they did not rule righteously, if they ruled with a human bias or they took bribes from people to rule in their favor, then in essence, what they would be doing is blaspheming the name of God. And therefore, the foundations that a people should be able to expect from God were being corrupted. And therefore, God's name was not be glorified because If an individual rules with the righteous judgments of God based upon his character and judging things truly based on the facts instead of in favor of one individual or another, in other words, having respective persons, if that was done in righteousness, then it was established as being glory to God. And therefore, when these people judge, they are actually only judging on behalf of God, and they had better make sure that they do it correctly. Even though a man is handing it down, he's got to judge based on how he's been told by the commands of God that he should judge in these cases. And that's really what it's doing. And and if we were to look, and we don't have time in these podcasts, but all through the Old Testament, the commandment to those in a position of authority They were instructed to judge righteously as if judging for God. And if they didn't, as he said in in verse six, you are gods and all of you are the children of the most high. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes if you don't judge righteously. Right. Correct. So that's where it is. And Tim, you may want to take this back to Jesus's argument in John chapter 10. Yeah, thanks, Tom. I think that's very helpful because if we replace the word gods there with judges, which the King James does in other places, it makes much more sense. I said, you are the judges, sons of the Most High. 
But in in essence, that's the word Elohim too. Again, right there in verse six, you are Elohim. You are supposed to be God. You're supposed to be God manifest on the earth. We're supposed to be one together in judgment, but they're not, right? Right. So when you look at that context about unrighteous judges and you take it back to John 10 and you look at what the Jews were doing, I mean, they, they were the type of people that would devour widows' houses, Jesus said. There's so many things that they did against the afflicted and the, the widows and the fatherless that really are condemned by this psalm. It's really interesting that Jesus would pick this psalm because in the context, it fully condemns the leadership during his time. That's what makes that passage really interesting that he quotes. I have said, ye are gods and what that means. It's really about this idea about God manifestation, about judging in the name of God. And it's very, very powerful argument by the Lord Jesus Christ then in John 10. If we just go back there with this thought in mind and and we read it. John 10, Jesus answered them. This is verse 34. Is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. So there's the response of Jesus. And I think it makes complete sense when you go and and you look at the context of Psalm 82. And when you consider this word Elohim and how men can be called Elohim, Jesus is saying, I'm, calling myself by the father's name under this same principle, because I am judging with righteous judgment. Jesus wasn't judging with any sort of bias in that sense. And he was judging for the widows and the fatherless and the the afflicted. And so in this context of Psalm 82, I just, a little aside here, it's interesting with this in mind in verse eight, It ends the psalm by saying, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. And if we're consistent, that word God there is still the word Elohim. And really, if he's still talking to the judges of Israel, or he's talking to, in a future sense, really, to the judges who are following after the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying, Arise, O Elohim, judge the earth, like put in righteous judgment, you judges, for you shall inherit all the nations. And that's the great promise. That's the great hope that God is giving us of this kingdom to come to inherit all nations. That's the the promise given. If we in, in our lives judge with righteous judgment, sounds like another podcast that we did last season. That's the power of God manifestation that God will give us that eternal life because we have manifested his name correctly, right? Right. So just to wrap it up, coming back to John chapter 10, in verse 37, he says, If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So there again, he's kind of emphasizing the the point that I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, we are one, and it reflects back on that prayer, I think, Tom, that you were talking about last podcast about his wish is that we might be in the Father and the Son as 
as they are one in each other, right? Right. And this is how Jesus and the Father were one, as he said that in verse 38. Look at what I do. Is it in keeping with the character of the almighty creator of heaven and earth? Yes, it is. And so by doing his commandments, that is how I am one with my father. Just as we as individuals are to be one in mind and purpose and let the plan and purpose of God and the way that he interacts with people in his character be what guides us as we interact one with another and as we speak to people about God's word. You know, it's kind of like in our modern systems of government, we have an ambassador that may go from one nation to another nation. And what that ambassador's role is, is to be a spokesperson for the authority that has been vested in them. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says that he and his father are one. And it also is what he's talking about when he says that those who believed on you through my preaching are one with you and with I. Right. I think that's really brings it down to the practical level too. thinking how we're following the Lord Jesus Christ as he followed his father. And it might be helpful just to go back and just reread John 17. Some of these verses again, I think 20 through 22, I think really hit the nail on the head here on what we're trying to emphasize through these couple podcasts. Jesus said, John 17, verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So fantastic words, really just words to end on. I don't know how else to conclude it, Tom. Just read and meditate and think upon uh, these things and how important this principle of God manifest is to our understanding and to our, our life, to manifest God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I agree wholeheartedly. And this is what all of God's word is leading us to know and understand about him. And he sent the Lord Jesus to be the ambassador, the mediator between us and God, that we might learn to imitate the life and practices of uh, the Lord Jesus in glorifying his Father, that together we all might be able to do that in the kingdom age. All right, Tom, thanks for joining me again. It's been great. I enjoyed it a lot. We'll see you around. Bye now. Tom and I really appreciate your careful attention as we've talked about these wonderful truths in God's word. It's our prayer that you'll be able to use it to deepen your Bible study and direct your life in Christ. We also really hope that you'll want to share it with others. In fact, I'd like to send you a gift to help you to do that. We're calling it our Essential Bible Studies Media Kit, and it is filled with business cards, stickers, and bookmarks that you can give to friends and family. I think you'll like them so much, you might want to keep a few for yourself. Just get in contact with us at our website, www.essentialbiblestudies.org, or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. Sadly, Season 3 is coming to a close, but we're looking forward to digging into some more Essential Bible Studies in preparation for next season. If you have a subject that you think would make a great podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. We absolutely love hearing from listeners. Once again, our contact form is at 
www.essentialbiblestudies.org. This podcast is produced by the Book Road Christadelphians located in the Golden Horseshoe of Ontario, Canada. That's on the western end of Lake Ontario, just up the hill from Coots Paradise. Find out more at www.bookroadchristadelphians.ca. Until next time, my dear friends, may God help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.